Welcome to the Heights Sermon Series Podcast, where each week you'll hear a new message that'll help you with your life shaped by the Word. Well, good morning, Heights family. Y'all doing well today? Yeah, a little soupy out there, isn't it? Don't you think of May as like the perfect weather month? Well, we're halfway through the month. I hadn't seen a whole bunch of that. Lord, we need some perfect weather this week. So, hey, good to see everybody. Thank you for being here this morning. Hey, I want to tell you about something I'm really excited about. It's going to sound like an announcement because, well, it is kind of an announcement. But with the announcement is something I'm really excited about. Does that make sense? So this Friday night, our our women's ministry is having an event kind of celebrating the end of the, the, the year and looking forward to next year. And uh, so they're, they're going to have a great time of worship and a, a dessert fellowship, and they're bringing in a speaker, actually two speakers. And uh, one of those speakers is my daughter, Mary Beth, and I'll be speaking alongside her. And I'll tell you right now, she's going to be carrying the water. She's, she's doing the lion's share of that lifting. My, uh, my daughter, Mary Beth, her and her family go to a, a church down in Hampton, a large church, believe it or not, quite larger than ours. And uh, she's been working with their, their staff and has been writing curriculum and uh, has done a, ended up doing a thing on the book of Acts. And it's, just, it's, it's excellent. I, that's not a father speaking. It's just, you know, as one Bible scholar... Uh, and so anyway, uh, our, our women's ministry heard about that surprise and, uh, asked her to come and be the, the speaker. And so Mary Beth and I will be doing that together. And, you know, part of the reason I want to share that is, you know, some of you have maybe been a part of the Heights here for the last six, seven, eight years. You don't even know that I have kids. You maybe never even seen me with kids. I used to be covered up in kids. Uh, you know, just all, all over. If you've been here, you know, 10, 15, 20 years, you remember I, I've got four children. And, uh, but man, if you know my, my daughter, Mary Beth, and maybe watched her grow up or taught her, you might want to come check that out and be a part of it. It's going to be a great evening. I think there's actually ladies out in the concourse handing out little cards like this, Be My Witness. Uh, that's their theme for the coming year, that, that ladies who smile on the future... Uh, with Be My Witness. And so uh, that Be My Witness, of course, comes out of Acts, and uh, we'll be talking about that. So it's going to be a, a great evening. THB.church, go to events, and you can get more information and register for that or find out about that. The speaker's going to be awesome, I promise. Um, anyway, hey, we're, as, as you just saw there a moment ago in the video, we're looking at commandments here at the Heights, and that brings us today to love others. Now, when I say love others, what is there a face that comes to your mind? Maybe, maybe it's someone you really love. Somebody you're very, very excited about loving. Somebody you like to learn about loving. Or maybe somebody comes to your mind. Not so much. They're the person who makes that command. We just say difficult makes that command hard to do. We are looking at commandments, all commandments. Every single command in the Bible goes back to do, to two, love God and love others. Literally every command in the Bible is telling you this is what it means, this is what it looks like to love God, or this is what it means and looks like to love others. 
And that loving God, I think, you know, we talked about that last week. I'm assuming that all of us like the topic of loving God, right? Man, yeah, I, I love God. I want to hear about I want to I want to hear about how to do that better. I want to hear about how to do that more. I, I matter of fact, I love God. I don't even mind you challenging me, right? Challenge me to how I can love God better and more. That the topic of loving God just that's a good topic. Loving others. You know, now it's not all others, right? No, there are some others that just like God, I want to learn how to love better. I want to learn how to love more. I don't even mind being challenged on how to love them. But the command is not to love some others. No, no, no. The command is to love all the others. You know, that call can be uncomfortable. And I, and I throw that line out because I think sometimes if we're doing something, it's hard, it's difficult, it's uncomfortable. We just assume, right, that I, I'm doing it wrong. There's something wrong about this. Maybe there was something wrong in what God said. There's just, no, we can be right where we need to be doing right what we need to be doing. And it can be uncomfortable to love some people. And that's where our questions come. That's where our frustrations come. Well, for those maybe new to our church, let me kind of bring you up to speed on, on where we are and what we're doing. As I've already said, we're, we're doing a, I should add the word, a long series on commandments. We're, we've spent now last week, today, two weeks on the two great commandments. And then we're going to go through the Ten Commandments. Some of you might remember, I actually did a series on the Ten Commandments, uh, I, think, I think in 2010. 2010 or 2012. But anyway, when I went through this, I didn't do one command a week. I, I did several by themselves. I, did, I had one sermon where I did three of the commandments together. Well, you're not getting off that way this time. We're literally going to spend one week on every single commandment. So we're going to be doing this till about the end of July. And that today has us on loving others. Let's go back to the same passage we looked at last week because that's where in one passage, in one statement, Jesus gives us both of the, the two great commandments. Matthew chapter 22, Matthew 22, 35 to 40. Get there in your Bible or your, your Bible app. And as you're turning, let's kind of remember what is going on from last week. Jesus is being challenged. He's being questioned by Pharisees, Sadducees, some scribes, and they're asking him a series of questions. And the goal of the questions is not dialogue, it's not debate, it's not even getting Jesus' take on things. They're asking questions in which there's going to be more than one answer in the audience. And we're, we're kind of opinionated about our answers, aren't we? And, and so their only goal in these questions is just to get Jesus to say his answer out loud. Yeah, there'll be some people in the audience who love that answer, but there's going to be some others that, you know, that's it, I'm, I'm out of here. That's their only goal. And so that brings us to the third question that they asked Jesus that day, Matthew 22, beginning in verse 35. And one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? And he said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and the great 
commandment. And a second is like it. A second is the same. You can't mention this one without mentioning the other one. They go hand in hand. They go together. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all of the law and the prophets. You know, when when the question is, what's the most important commandment? I think our eyes are drawn to his two answers here, right? Loving God, loving others. I actually think that verse 40, that last line, is the most important line. Because in that line, what Jesus just said is, all of the commandments are important. Every single one of them counts. And you can sum them all up with two commandments. Love God and love others. Now, I keep using the word others. Obviously, we just read the passage. Jesus didn't use the word others. What's the word he used? Neighbors. Why am I? Okay, uh, we seem to have somebody registering a complaint over here. Y'all, y'all look, look over here at this. Security. <laughs> uh, boo. Are, Jerry, are you booing me, Jesus? Especially not Jesus. <laughs> Thanks. You're, you're booing the idea. Okay. All right. I, I respect that. Matter of fact, everybody just take a quick look over there. Hold your sign up, Jerry, one more time. What Jerry is doing in front of all of us is what a whole bunch of us are doing in our hearts as we think about loving others. Ooh. Thank you, Jerry. I just needed to find somebody that was dumb enough to stand up and do what we're all doing in our hearts. And you know, I didn't even have to look to Jerry. He came to me. <laughs> you, you know, uh, uh, honestly, that, that, that's a real thing. And, and I'll come back to that in just a moment. But uh, let, let, me, let me finish before I was rudely interrupted. This concept of I'm using the word others, but Jesus uses, Jerry interacts with the word neighbors. Okay, now the reason I change it to others is because neighbors is not as limited a number of people as Jesus is referring to. When you and I hear the word neighbors, we think of, you know, the person we wave at when we're at the mailbox, right? Or in Jerry's case, doesn't wave at. Okay, we we think of that person. But neighbors here is not the person I share a street with. It's the person I share, oh, like planet Earth with. Remember, somebody asked Jesus one time, hey, who, who's my neighbor? And he answered with a story that you and I refer to as the Good Samaritan, Luke chapter 10, 25 to 37. And in that, Jesus defines our neighbors as really anybody we see in need. Wherever life takes you on Monday, wherever life takes you this week, it might be somebody you know, it might be somebody you don't know, it might be somebody you like, it might be somebody you don't like, but when life runs you into an intersection with somebody in need, maybe a need for love, oh, well, that's everybody, isn't it? Then that becomes, in that moment, my neighbor. In, in that moment now, that, that is my neighbor, that is who I am to love. And, and you know, we, li, listen, I, I trust that, that we love God and we want to love God, but as our little video says, hey, so if I'm loving God, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to love others. Boy, wouldn't we like to refine that list a little bit? 
You know, that, that loving others, we, we, again, it's pretty clear it's all others. And the Bible doesn't just speak generally, broadly all the time. No, it, it dives in and it talks about, hey, no, you, you need to love family. You need to love fellow Christians. And I, I did put all of them because some of us need to know it's all of them. It's all of the other Christians. Our enemies are strangers. Uh, you know, I thought, okay, that, that's pretty much all the categories, isn't it? Maybe friends I should have added. <laughs> I forgot my friends. But uh, I think we all know that, that those passages right there certainly encompass and entail our friends. We're, we're to love everybody, and we're to love people in all these specific groups in our lives. Now, how do we love them? Does that mean I just need to work up a warm feeling in my heart for all these different people? And, you know, it's funny, the Bible never talks to us about having a warm feeling. It does describe the action of love, and it includes things like forgiving, encouraging, providing for, helping out in a time of need, helping out in a time of trouble. And honestly, folks, we could double and triple that list, but let's be honest, we're, we're already looking at more of a list than we want to carry. So we'll just stop right there for right now. But, but in the Bible sense, what I want you to see in that, love is an action. It's not about the, the, the warmth or the coldness that I have in my heart toward that person. It, it, it is an action that we take. Now, you know, I, across this room, and again, I, I trust we, we want to talk about loving God. And we even respect that God tells us that, don't we? I mean, yeah, you know, if there's a God, it, that seems like a God thing to tell people to do, right? Seem, it seems, I mean, if God's good and there's a God, it seems like he'd be telling us, hey, you need to love people. Okay, I respect that. But I think we all end up in a place sooner or later where, okay, it, where's the exceptions? <laughs> what, what page do I see who I do not need to love? You know, folks, I've, I've, I've talked with Jerry about about his neighbor, rather he talked to me about his neighbor. Um, and I didn't say this to Jerry, but I, 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 I'll tell you something. I actually believe Jerry could love his neighbor just like Jesus would. And I don't think it'd make a bit of difference. Now that's real, isn't it? I'm guessing some of you have people in your lives where you wouldn't proclaim that you're Jesus or that you're perfect, but boy, you've tried. And you know what? You got taken advantage of, didn't you? You got burned because you're trying to be like Jesus. Now, I, I don't know if this person could burn Jerry, take advantage of it, but I, I, I do believe that Jerry could love this person, and I, I don't think it'd make any difference. So if it was my command, and Jerry came and talked to me, I'd say, yeah, man, I don't know what I was thinking with that. Yeah, we'll let you ride on that one. But now get back out there and love everybody else. But, but it's not my command. <laughs> I didn't say it. And so I'm not the one who can absolve you of that. And here's the difficult news. God is the one who said it, and I'm pretty sure he's not going to absolve you of doing that. And that raises some real questions, if not even some anger, because some of these people we love, it's, just, it's not just that they're difficult. I'm confident somebody in here is trying to love, trying to understand what it means to love somebody who's quite abusive and dangerous. 
Maybe even somebody that is involved in some level of criminal activity. What am I supposed, am I supposed to love this? Am I, what, what am I supposed to, to do here? And it's a little bit difficult in a sermon. It's not that I don't want to take on the difficulty. It's a little bit difficult in a sermon to start taking on all the exceptions. Because first of all, our heart wants to run to the exception so fast. So talk about loving all you want. Just give me the exceptions. And you know, folks, at the end of the day, and this is our sin, I'll make everybody an exception. Sooner or later, everybody's in the definition of an, of an exception. We really need to do the hard work of considering the command w- without getting through the exceptions. And it's not that there's exceptions. I think our problem in working through this is when we're told to go love somebody, we don't always know what love looks like or what it means. So, love them like God loves them. When God loves, it does not help somebody sin, does it? When God loves, it doesn't protect somebody in their sin. When God loves, it doesn't encourage sin. When, when I'm loving somebody, that should never result in somebody else getting hurt, whether that somebody else is them, me, or a third party. Now, that should begin to clear up some of the anger and frustration we get at, at trying to understand, God, why would you ask me to, to love that person? I think sometimes we think love allows us to do, or cha- challenges us to go and do things. God's love doesn't do that. God, here's the bottom line. God's love does not help encourage somebody's sin. You know, one of the great stories of God's love is when the, the crowd brought the woman caught in adultery to Jesus. And boy, Jesus shows us what love is there, doesn't he? He forgives. He doesn't condemn. He accepts. But do you remember how the story ends? Don't do this ever again. I will love you, I will forgive you, I will accept you, but my love and forgiveness is not to be used to what? To further sin. So, i got to pray through that, I need wisdom, I've got to work through it more. But that should clear up some of this question about, I love them in what they're doing, what they're doing to me, what they're doing to others. God's love doesn't help sin. My love should not help sin. Having said all that, God's going God's to send us to love difficult people. God's love costs. It costs him, right? So, so far I've said it's uncomfortable. Now I've said it's cost. Again, I'm going to repeat myself. I think sometimes we think, hey, if something is difficult, if, it, if it's not working, if I'm not getting some desired result, then I must be doing the wrong thing. I must be understanding this the wrong way, or God must have been wrong in saying this. No, the love that God is calling us to absolutely can be costly and uncomfortable. We've got to embrace the reality we're going to have to work at what it means to love some mean, nasty, awful people. Which leads me to ask, why, God? Okay, you you said do it, but can you you shed some light on why? Why do you want me to love some mean, nasty people? ugly people. And you don't have to worry, by the way, about going and finding some mean, nasty, ugly people. They usually, they find us, right? I don't have to go hunt them down. I'll bump into one sooner or later. Why? You know, folks, believe it or not, Jesus is going to answer at least in two ways, and it's very clear 
It's very concrete. It is very straightforward. We, we are to do this because it's by this love that everybody will know we're disciples, that we're actually followers of Jesus. Now, the passage, John 13, 35, did it come up there? There it is. Notice those last two words, one another. Every time you see those two words in the New Testament, one another, is talking about loving inside the body of Christ. Okay, that's that that specifically I'm just trying to be honest about the it's not about loving everybody, that's about loving people inside the body of Christ. There's over, and y'all have heard me, some of you have heard me preach on this before. There's over almost 40 commands in the New Testament about what we do for one another. You you know them, love one another, serve one another, forgive one another, help one another, encourage one another, greet one another. There's there's all these one another's that we're supposed to do. But I think we get it that while Jesus in that context is speaking specifically to our love for each other in here, there's an idea there that applies to all of the people. This is how people know I live in you. This is how people know that you've received, you're enjoying, you're being impacted by my love and forgiveness in your, in your life. I mean, folks, the bottom line is love is the marker of our life. That is the single. I, I'm not getting ready to give you a list. This is the only character quality that Jesus said is to mark us. I mean, think about that. Hey, there's people in life. I'm competing against them. I'm, I'm, I'm competing against them for the win. I'm competing against them for a job. I'm competing against them for the award. And one of us is going to get it and one of us isn't. And I'm going to compete. I don't know about y'all. I, I want the award. I want the job. I want the win. But you know, even with those I'm in competition with, they should see love as the driver in how I compete. They should see love as the driver and how I relate, even with the person I want to beat. Hey, the, the person, it may not be a prize. Maybe we just have two different views on life, two, two different views on a subject. And it's not just two different views. Our views bring us in contradiction to each other. Our views bring us into conflict with each other. I'm still going to hold my view, especially if I believe it's a biblical view, Right? But how I hold that view should still be defined by love. This ultimately is the single thing that should lead people to come and say, would you tell me about your Christ? And that's kind of like the only goal why we live on this earth as followers of Christ is that we get to tell people about us. Because life isn't about the junk we're going through right now. Life is about eternity. So I got, I got to live in a way that leads them to bring up that question. Will it lead everybody? No, I, Jerry, I don't think that your neighbor ever going to ask that. I don't know. I could be wrong. But I don't, I don't think it's going to happen. Second reason, and, and this is an elaboration of the first reason, but it makes it, gosh, this is, it actually like it totally makes sense that God would do it. Think of this. I'm struggling with why God would ask this. I'm getting ready to show you an answer from Jesus that you realize it, it's very reasonable of Jesus to ask me this. It is absolutely right. and Before I tell you what number it is, I, I'm going to do a quick poll. How many of you, we're, we're going to have a show of hands here. How, how many of you think that it is a reasonable expectation 
That if I have Christ living in me, I should love better and more than somebody who doesn't. Now, before we even take the poll, I want to be clear about what I'm saying. I'm not suggesting that somebody that's not a Christian can't love. No, a a non-Christian, an unbeliever, absolutely can love. I I bet most of us, if not all of us, have somebody in our life, not a believer... And they're not a believer on purpose. <laughs> that, that, that is not their choice. But you would define them as a loving person. As a matter of fact, you know that all the people around them would say, man, that's a really loving person. Yes, you can be a loving person without being a, a believer in Christ, without being a follower in Christ. Having established that, Not thinking about a specific person, but just broadly speaking, is it a fair expectation that if Christ is living in me, I should love better and more than somebody whom Christ is not living in? How many of you agree with that? Okay, we got hands going up everywhere. Okay, I see you online. Thank you for raising your hand. We're way over a majority. Let me tell you somebody else I think would raise their hand. I'm pretty sure Jesus would raise his hand. I'm pretty sure Jesus would say... Regardless of the reality that non-believers can love, I absolutely expect you to do it better and more and to be absolutely consistent. Let me show you the passage where Jesus raised his hand. Look at Matthew 5. If you're in 22 and still have your Bible open, it won't take you long to get there. Matthew chapter 5, a few pages to the left. Look at verse 43. Matthew 5 verse 43. You have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Okay, that that rings a bell. A lot of us have heard that. We know Jesus says that. We've already looked at, you know, I got got to love my enemy. Pray, love and pray for those who persecute you. You know what persecution includes? Love and pray for the person who's trying to make your life miserable. Love and pray for the person who's trying to keep you from achieving, keep you from happiness, keep you from getting where you want. Love and pray for the person who's attacking you. Love and pray for that person. And and that's where the little person in our heart stands up and holds a sign and boo. Okay? Jesus, why? This is so practical. Two reasons why. One, so that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. Now, that, the way that reads, so that, it almost implies, if I love these difficult people, then I get into heaven. That's not what's being communicated here. We've got to understand the grammar of what's being written. It's more of a, because you're going to heaven, because I'm living in you, show that to people. Show people that you're a child of God. Hey, how am I going to do that? Love those hard folks out there. That's how you'll demonstrate, that's how you'll prove that I'm really living in you. Okay, well, what if I don't care if they see that? (laughs) Okay, well, let's move on to the second. God does not ask us to do something that he's not doing. Right? God's never, there's no command that God isn't the fulfillment of. He's not asking you to be something or to do something that he has not already been and done. So he says, hey, you need to love the difficult people. And Jesus says, you know, my father, he makes the sun rise on the evil and the good. He sends the rains to the just or the unjust. Now listen to this. For if you love those who love you, what, what, 
What reward do you have? Folks, do you realize what he just said? 99% of your loving, and I'm being generous to give you 1%, because I know my own heart. 99% of the loving that you and I do, Jesus just said, qualifies for nothing. What? Yeah, that doesn't... What, you love your friends? You, 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 you love your family? You love those who love you? Oh, hey, woo! Hey, look, hey, look what does it say here? If you eat, don't even tax collectors do that? Now, you, you and I, we don't, we don't have tax collectors. We just put it in, in the mailbox, right? This isn't a statement about taxes and our agreement, disagreement with tax. The tax collector, historically, in this context, this person was universally. When I said tax collector in our community, every single person in this room, the same face would come to mind and we'd all hate them. We hate that. Not only do they collect taxes, but they steal from us. This would be the most hated person in community. So basically, Jesus just summed up all the loving I do as being no different than that person. What? what, what, what? And if you greet only your brothers, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles, that's a word used in the New Testament, basically what you would I say is unbeliever. A pagan, somebody who doesn't even know God. Don't they do that? You therefore must be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. Because the word perfect is used, I think sometimes we think Jesus changed subjects and now he's telling us to be like God and be perfect in everything. The context is love. You are to perfectly love just like my father in heaven perfectly loves. Your love is to look like that. And and I'm here to tell you, this is Jesus speaking, not me, because I'm in the same bad place y'all are. I'm I'm here to tell you, if all you've got to point to for how loving a person you are is people who love you, people who are going to pay you back, people who are going to do for you as you do for them, I got news for you. You're not doing anything special at all. The worst God-hating murderer could have sent his mother a, a, a Mother's Day card last week. A God-hating murderer can scratch the back of a friend who's scratching his. Folks, how much of your love and my love is anything beyond people who are giving everything back to us that we're given to them? As a matter of fact, when do we get mad at those we love? When they're not giving back to us what we're giving to them. The only place that I show that I've received God's love and forgiveness, that I'm living in the power and the joy of God's love and forgiveness, the only place I really demonstrate God's love is with the hard and the difficult people. Hey, remember, we saw the verses. God absolutely wants me to love my family. God wants me to love my friends. He wants me to love all of you, the other Christians that I do life with. God, yes, please love those people, God says. But if that's all, if that's the whole list of your love, you're not doing any better than people who hate me. And remember, it's, it's, when I say God's not asking us to do anything he hasn't done, 
It's not just about sending rain and sun on good farmers and bad farmers. God's love cost him. It costs God. He was taken advantage of and abused when he chose to love you. Romans 5.8, while we were sinners, not on our best day, God demonstrated, God proved, God showed how much he loved you in that while you were a sinner, that's when Christ died. What that verse is saying is God's most sacrificial act of love, God's biggest act of love was in the moment that you and I were rebelling and rejecting, maybe just ignoring him. And verse 48 is, Jesus is saying, and that's the love you're aiming at. That, that's our target. Do you realize what that means? Folks, the goal of loving difficult people is not loving difficult people. Oh, what I got to do as a Christian, I got to love difficult people. That's not the goal. The goal is not loving difficult people. The goal is not getting into heaven. The goal is not even their changing. The goal is to be just like the God who loved me so. That's our goal. You know, I want to quit. They're not changing. That's not the goal. Hey, sometimes it will result in that, right? But that's not the goal. The more I seek to love like God, the more I appreciate what it means that he loved me. The more I seek to love like God, the more I appreciate what it means that he loves me. Because I am unfaithful and I'm inconsistent and I do the same stupid and wrong thing over and over and over. Ever, ever had somebody say, I, I, you've said you're sorry for that a hundred times. I don't hear any more. I wish there were sins I'd only said I was sorry for a hundred times. The more I seek to love the difficult people, the more I can appreciate what it means that God loves me. Now, I thank God right here, folks. I really do that God is patient and gracious. I need him to be slow with me. Because there's like 8 billion people out there, and a lot of them are a mess. Not not me, of course. It'd be a little overwhelming if I had to think about loving 8 billion people tomorrow. (laughs) So maybe we pray this, and I'm, I, I'm not saying it's the right prayer. I'm saying it's a prayer that is totally dependent on God being very patient. God, would you only give me one person this week to love just like you would? I, I want to learn. I want to grow. I mean, you realize when you pray that prayer, somebody difficult coming around the corner, right? But God, if, if I accomplish that by Tuesday, could I have the rest of the week off? I'm not kidding. I'm not kidding. God would just one a week, just one a week. Could I just not have to do more than one a week, really love somebody difficult like, like you would? Is it worth it? Is it worth it to you to understand just what it means that God loves you this week? Let's pray. Lord, you know, our, our problem isn't necessarily with 8 billion people. Our, 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 there, there's a handful. There's one. There's a handful. There's, maybe it's in our home. 
someone at school, someone at work. And we've already tried, Lord. We've really, we've tried. And, and it just made things worse. And they, they just took advantage of it. Lord, in my selfishness and in my weakness, I want to say, would you protect us as we go out there to love like you? But when you came out here to love like you, we, we crucified you. Lord, may it, may it be enough to us just to experience how much you love us. And I, and I pray you would work in my heart that I actually want to have a goal of loving like you. Because I, I can't say that's my goal. I respect that you give that command and I want to obey that command. But I, I can't suggest that it's my goal in life to love like you love. Lord, would you work in our hearts so that this is, this is something we want. And then give us the faith, the strength, the courage. God, give us the wisdom to know what it looks like, to know what it means, to know what to do in this moment. And I thank you, Lord, that that while some things can go wrong in our attempt to loving you in this world, uh, there's, there's eternity. There's eternity. I'm going to heaven. And I want it to be clear, Lord, to everybody watching me that I'm, I'm going to heaven. Amen. And you've given us one word that makes that clear. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.